Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody with me, your host, Aaron Mashbitz, AKA Jackson Stone. This is episode 125 of Jackson Talks, everybody. Wow. And we got another, another, another good one. Justin, welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pumped to talk to you about all of my favorite things, and I'm assuming your favorite things as well. It's why you made them a career. Um, yeah. But before we get into the meat and bones of kind of the work you're doing and, and where you specialize, I have a very important question to ask you. And uh, it is, it's an important question, especially, I think, between two males to kind of create some space to answer honestly and vulnerably. It's, it's pretty much the theme of this podcast. So Justin, as of right now, uh, how are you doing, man? Like, really, how are you doing? Beautiful, beautiful question. And thank you. And I will say that as you teed that up, often the anticipation hurts more than the hit itself. You know, like you're like, hey, I'm gonna hit you in the shoulder, but close your eyes and just wait. And that closing the eyes and waiting for the like punch in the shoulders. But so you're like, all right, I got a really important question. <laughs> I felt my, my core tighten up. I'm like, fuck, dude, what's, what, what is he going to, what's he going to ask me? Okay. <sighs> How are you doing? Great. <sighs> I can drop into that. Um, best way for me and how I have evolved answering that question is really to speak into my physical sensations since it is my practice and my work. Um, and my, my, what I teach is, is body awareness and emotional awareness and, so how I'm doing right now, I'm, I feel comfortable in my body. I feel like I'm sitting upright. I feel strong, grounded. That tensing, bracing in my stomach has since relaxed and released. I feel joyful. I'm in front of a open window looking at some autumn leaves uh, being blown around in the wind. So I'm connecting with nature and I have a sense of excitement to be on this podcast with you. So that's my like immediate answer to how I'm doing. I'm doing good. Wow. I love that answer. That, that might be the, the first answer of its kind, kind of using some physical sensations, some body sensations to explain how we're feeling in the moment. So super cool. Thank you for answering honestly. You're very welcome. But one thing when I was kind of looking over some of your stuff that that really struck me and I think is is quite important and it kind of leads off of this question of two men having a vulnerable conversation is the work you do with men. You have some men's groups and I want to get into those and why you started those. But I also, before we get into that, I want to read your own tweet because I think it kind of relays right into um, what we're going to talk about. So here's the tweet. Um, just had a dude reach out commenting, commenting that the health of a men's group is directly correlated to the health of the men holding space. And I want to thank you for the work you're doing for yourself. To lead men, you must lead yourself first. So my question is, how did you begin to lead yourself first? And then how did that transform into you wanting to uh, teach other men the same thing. Yeah, beautiful. Um, it started from my awareness, because I could probably backtrack it even deeper in my life cycle. But um, I am a physical therapist. So I got my doctor of physical therapy degree in 2017. And um, while I was going through internships, I recognized that there were physical therapists taking care of their physical health. And that had a direct impact on the patients that they were seeing. And then I also was working under some physical therapists that um, in my estimation and connection with them were not doing health and wellness work for themselves. And they looked burnt out. They looked stressed out. And that transpired into less effective treatment sessions. So I think being in the field of physical therapy uh, inspired me to become more physical, physically fit. And as I did that, I recognized the impact it had on other people. So that specific tweet about men's group really started in my 
physical therapy profession where I was like, well, if I'm going to be the advocate of health and wellness, I need to be healthy and well. And to do that, I got to do some work. I got to put forth effort. I have to take care of my mind and my body and my health and my physical, um, my physical body, um, my mental body. And as I started to do that, it had a positive effect. Then I started working with men's groups. I came across a, a random men's group in San Diego. I'm based in San Diego. I'm currently in Northwest Arkansas starting to split time between the two Northwest Arkansas is my hometown. San Diego is like where I've been the last six years and really developed as a professional. Um, so in San Diego, there's a lot more men's groups in San Diego than Arkansas. I'll tell you that. But in those men's groups, I was first introduced by a man named Dan Doty, who in my estimation is one of the best men's base holder leaders in the, in the game and that was another very apparent example of this man has a depth and an understanding that's only available through lived experience. Like he's doing the work and I can see it and I can feel it. And it gave me trust in him and the health of that particular men's group was very rich. Um, so that that's a huge point. And those there's again, so many little layers that contribute to that. But um, I, I know it starts with me. And so I'm pretty, I like that I'm a nerd on breath work and insecure and emotions and everything, because that just makes um, the experience of those who work with me even better. So yes, to that. It, um, it makes me think about the uh, the work that I do. So I coach a uh, a 14-year-old baseball team. Mm -hmm. And at 14, kids, uh, they're still kids, obviously, and, and they're, they're shaped by mostly by the actions they see. And right. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm coaching baseball and they make a mistake on the field and I am vocally saying, hey, man, it's all good. Get them next time. But physically, I'm taking my bucket of baseballs and throwing them into the dugout or like smashing my hat on the ground or kicking dirt. They don't care about the words that came out of my mouth. They see me reacting in a way that's not um, in line with my words. And so when they strike out or when they make a mistake or when they get a bad grade or when their mom tells them they need to go do chores and they don't agree with that, that's how they're going to respond because they've seen that behavior be embodied and it works both ways. It works absolutely both ways. If they make the mistake and I'm like, Hey man, it's all right. I got your back. And I'm just like calm and chill. And their teammates are the same way. And everyone's like, yeah, dude, get it next time. Here we go. That's how they're going to respond. Now it takes a bit of practice for them to think that themselves, obviously, but if their external is conducive to that kind of recovery, then they're going to do that themselves. So I, I just say that to say that it's all about kind of embodying the behaviors that you wish the people you're coaching to do. Um, but I think in kind of the service industry, it's, uh, it's really, maybe not hard is not the right word, but it's less frequent that we take our advice as much as we want others to take the advice that we're giving. And so I think that's really hard. At least I've seen that for my own kind of journey in terms of learning some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, so many layers of thoughts coming in, but I connect with one. I'm, I'm really fascinated in parenting styles. I'm not mm -hmm. a parent. Me neither. I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I probably won't. It'll be a while. Um, but I do want to be a parent. And I think that parenting is the, I mean, the most direct way to influence someone's like live, like you are training a young human to become a, a human. And so regardless, I appreciate parenting and I'm always observing how people are connecting and communicating to their children because I know children are absorbing so much, exactly like what you're saying. And also I feel like there's 
so many situations where I see a toddler parent interaction. And I know like living with that toddler 24 seven versus having a bypass experience in a uh, grocery store where you see them throwing a tantrum and the parents just like, whatever. I feel like there is a lot of information you can get. And also you can almost see, or I can see whenever I see that interaction, it's like, I almost see how that child is going to develop based on how their parent is treating them. And there's coddling and enabling and then there's distracting and ignoring and there's so many like ways to approach a situation but I feel like one of the common ways and to link this in with men's group work I feel like a lot of men want to be challenged and encouraged and they want to fall down skin their knee and be told hey Hey, it's good. You're good. Versus being like picked up and like, Hey, are you okay? Like, how do I like that? So in my men's group space, um, and I think that's where this person's, um, share to me of like, Hey man, like your, your men's group feels healthy. It feels strong based on your health and strong strength, but really I'm empowering the people in my group to find their own strength. Mm -hmm. So, I'm not holding a men's group where I'm like, all right, everything's good, man. Everything's good job. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Cause that's not how I feel. Like you have to, you know, you're going through some shit. What do you got to do? You got to take some ownership. You got to take some accountability. What are you feeling? Where are you feeling? Notice that you're not feeling and I'm asking you to feel, but you're getting distracted. How is that distraction help? So I, I held this, like, I hold this very tight container and in tight containers, pressure can increase and heat can increase. But that's challenge. That's encouragement. There's compassion in that space. And whether or not I'm being fully healthy in my own life, but I am, but whether or not, and that's totally felt, I'm, I'm creating a container in such a way that it's encouraging men to be them, their best self. So that reflection that I got was almost like, this person was like, I could tell like that one guy in particular, I could tell he hadn't been in a group where he was like, like challenged. Like he was, he was talking in this like repeated, like he started going at 30 seconds in, in my head, I was like, Oh, this guy has said this exact same like line a hundred times he's practiced. He's, and I just stopped interrupted. I'm like, wait, pause. How do you really feel? Like, how are you really feeling right now? Well, I was telling you a story about what I'm feeling. It's like, no, no, no. What do you feel in your body? That's why I really like body-based work and action. It's like, what do you feel in your body? How do you feel? Interruption, but loving interruption to help a man get from their mind into their heart is what I'm doing. And I guess that's, an, that's a reflection of me and how I do my own personal work, but it has to be communicated in a way that's effective for it to be felt and used in that space. So um, like I, like you said, Hey, I think we're going to go on a nice little roller coaster of conversation and I'm here for it. Yeah. I think based on what you said, like there's so much, there's so much to be said about authenticity when it comes to coaching yep. and people, people can feel that. And I think people can feel that also through a social media platform. I really yep. do. Like, I think, like, yeah, because there's a lot of pretend things that get posted on social media, obviously, it's part of the platforms, right? But there is so much good stuff. Obviously, that's how we met. That's how mo that's honestly how I meet most of my podcast guests. I'm like, Oh, that's a great tweet. Oh, he has like a bunch of really good tweets. Oh, he has a great website. Okay, I want to talk to him. <laughs> great. But like people can feel that authenticity. And when you're with someone one on one, and you're like encouraging them to do this really hard work, they have this sense that, oh, that person's done it. They, they've been kind of, kind of the depths of their own soul. They've like challenged all of their beliefs. And so I'm, I'm willing to go there with that person because I, I see that authenticity. And you might meet some coaches where you feel the opposite. You're like, ah, there's something, something's holding you back from that specific coach. And you're like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Maybe you can't really pinpoint it, but it might be the fact that you don't really feel like they've gone where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And that might be holding you back. And I think that's an important thing. If you're looking yeah. for a coach or possibly a therapist or anything that's you're trying to elevate your life and you need a little bit of support there. Um, are you familiar with John Wineland? 
I am not, but I, I saw him on your website when I was looking at some of your certifications. Then I went to that website and I saw some of the courses that he has. Yeah, I really like John Wineland's philosophy. Uh, he talks a lot about masculine, feminine embodiment and relationship. Um, and that's slightly out of my realm. Like I don't really deal with couples and relationships, but the the way in which he speaks and his philosophy really aligns with how I think and how I feel and how I philosophize this work and he does say something frequently with couples which is the woman or the feminine always wants to be led to a place that they cannot get by themselves mm. meaning there is this attraction to being led by someone who you can tell can go somewhere with depth that you've never been and that's exactly what you just mentioned. It's like, oh, I trust this person because I can tell that they've gone through stuff and they've worked through stuff. And maybe they've gone more through more stuff than me, or maybe I've gone through more stuff than them. But regardless, they've felt and articulated in a way that's drawing me in. And there's authenticity. It's like I can see that they've gone through things because they're not hiding it you know so there's a cool layer there and i do want to like plant a seed to for john wineland because i do like his his teachings quite a bit so um i'm i'm totally with you on that man like you see and you trust and you feel we have intuition that comes up and it sprouts and it's like hey go go that direction and then we have our ego that's like don't listen to that intuition, stay over here. And there's this constant battle, but I think getting more in tune with those intuitive like hits that, that tends to lead us the right way more so than um, the wrong way. So anyway, um, yeah, I, that's totally what I heard when you were sharing about that. Yeah. What do you, what do you think the, the biggest challenge that men are facing currently, if that's something you'd like to answer. It's very much something I'd like to answer. Like, All right. man, um, I think men are facing many challenges in the world right now in society as a whole, as are women, as are all humans. Um, we're in a, what seems to be an interesting transitional period of government, government and um, essentially government and politics and, and economy. And so naturally with that, there's, there's turbulence and in the turbulence, people have individual people have reactions. Um, what is the biggest one that comes to mind is um, I'll stay in that like masculine, feminine, um, masculine being a energy of stillness, consciousness, presence, feminine being movement, energy, expression, sound. So all men, all humans have masculine and feminine It's the yin and the yang. So I'm not saying masculine, male, feminine, female, I'm saying individuals with traits that are a little bit more masculine a little bit more structured versus individuals who have feminine traits and there are obviously men likely have a greater connection to masculine than women who have a greater natural flow to feminine so just a little um, preface there but it seems that the culture as a whole is going through this shift where women are becoming more open and vocal and leaders, whereas history has men in this um, masculine leadership role. And now that there's this like open internet freedom, communication, everything is just wide open. It almost feels like men don't know their place. I'm seeing, mm. I'm, I see so many dudes and I'm talking to so many guys. I've gone through it myself in relationship where relationships are kind of like ending right now. There's like, I know a lot of guys who are like, I don't know what to do with my partner and unsure what she wants. And that unsurety causes this like shrinking. Uh, and there's like almost like no room to be 
a full fucking human man in your greatest expression because maybe that uh, causes some sort of feeling. So I feel like there's this not power dynamic, but um, relational shift where men don't know what their role is Mm -hmm. in relationship or in work. And so I see that to be a pretty prevalent issue in this moment. Like literally in the last like six months, I've, I've seen so many of my friends' relationships become break breakups or divorces or um, yeah. So I think that's one of many, but I would say the other issue for men is like, it's the exact same. It's like not knowing purpose. What is my purpose? What do I do? I have all this, I have strength. I have this, but what do I do? And they're very much bled together. Um, so it's this like individual man feeling that he's isolated, feeling that he's alone, feeling like he doesn't have a purpose. And that shows up in relationship. It shows up in work, it shows up here. So I think the more pointed focus is this like lack of understanding of what the hell to do as a man like where do i go what do i how do i become better um and so yeah that's biggest issue and it's i think it's a big i think it's a big issue because it's a i think a question that hasn't been fully answered uh yet yeah i think i think you're right because a lot of men right now feel like they have no path right because like there's there seems to be these like two extreme ideas right now on one extreme. There's like this idea that all men are crap. All they've done is make horrible shit and the world is the way it is because men made it this way and it's awful. And so if young boys and young men are going to see that extreme view, they're just going to become weak and docile and say, what's the point? Why should I strive towards anything? Because I've already fucked everything up. Mm -hmm. And that's very dangerous, obviously, because as Jordan Peterson says, I don't know if you're a fan, but he has a quote that says, uh, it's not just okay to be a man, it's necessary, right? You look at the infrastructure, the roads, all of these things, right? Majority of that was men. Yep. And then you have this other end of the spectrum, the other extreme, which is like this ultra man. Yeah, all this you know, macho stuff, never ask for help, do everything on your own, throw the weight of the world on your shoulders. And sometimes that view works. Right. But that extreme also is getting some boys too. And that's kind of making them make some decisions that maybe aren't conducive to the overall uh, good of society. Right. So you have these like two paths and, and guys like aren't sure which one they should go on. So they just pick either extreme when really like what you're saying is the path they need to take is kind of like right down the middle mm-hmm. of like, of, of trying to manage like both their masculine and their feminine energies, having this sort of yin and yang. Right becoming like this really tough, strong, capable, competent man, but also understanding our emotions and our feelings and where we feel things and when it's time to ask for help or when it's time to strap our boots up, you know, when it's time to go figure out what happened in my past with a, with a coach or a therapist and say that I'm feeling a little scared or I need a little bit of help or now it's time to take care of your, your family or the people you love because that's what it you know, all of that stuff. And, and that dynamic is really hard because it seems so contradicting, but that's the path that we should be encouraging because women have elevated themselves mm-hmm. tremendously, right? We've seen them just basically over the last whatever years just become amazing, right? When they couldn't, they weren't allowed to do a lot of stuff. Now they are elevating themselves to a tremendous level. It's fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so if we can encourage that, we can also encourage men to do the same thing. And then we're elevating both And then we meet in this middle and have these like really beautiful relationships that are like powerful and empowering and they're elevating each other, right? It's not like this this zero sum game where if women elevated, men have to go down to the shithole, right? It's not zero sum, it's additive and it's together. Mm. Um, At least I think, and that's, you know, based on what you said, I've I've obviously been thinking about this quite a bit. And so I wanted to know what you thought. And so- Hey, preach it, man, preach it. And it's totally like a tale of two opposites. And thing is opposites attract and in the yin and yang i really like that yin and yang symbol um there's a book called the Tao of physics which talks about um it's by free free copra it's like a 1980s like, physicist um and it talks about the subatomic infrastructure of the world which is essentially like neutrons photons neuron uh 
um, protons and then like particles, even smaller than uh, the photons and particles or there's a subatomic like web of vibration and energy. It's like everything is space and matter and energy. And so anyway, in the yin and yang symbol itself, which is a great representation of the world, which is balance, which is in the darkness is the seed of light. In the light is the seed of darkness. One does not exist without the other. But often we just see the darkness and we perceive only darkness. And then there's fear and hesitation to go towards the darkness because if we go towards the darkness, we're stuck. But knowing that going into the darkness, what is the darkness? Going into the feelings, the emotions, like you're talking about men. Uh, women are stepping into that more power, uh, more into their power, more. Uh, and that's creating this whole balance where they're naturally feminine and emotional and connected. And now they're also like being able to be grounded and rooted and, and communicate openly and, and consciously. Not that they ever were not able to do that, but now there's more freedom. But for men, it's like, okay, now we got to go into our feelings and our body and our emotions, which is why men's groups are coming way more popular popular because there is such a need for men to go into their body and into their heart and into their emotions but what happens is oh that's the darkness i don't want to go down there because if i go down there then i'm going to feel and then i'm going to be girly or whatever like negative thoughts come up around that and then there's no steps towards creating that balanced being but what's important to know is you got to go into the shit before you like can sprout a new leaf you know sprout a new freaking tree flower whatever you can you gotta you gotta create that balance and there's a lot of hesitation for men to go down there but holding a space and encouraging and leading from example and it's like the amount of men that i'm seeing on tv crying now in the doll and federer a couple of weeks ago when mm -hmm. federer uh retired the amount of men uh nick faldo whenever he had his final golf um you know announcer conversation he, he started bawling because it was his final completion of his broadcasting career it's like men are starting to show their emotions and that is giving strength and openness to make this shift and we need to make the shift and the shift will happen i think that the shift is just happening a little bit later than women who are already in that developmental stage just like puberty women are always ahead of the game <laughs> like naturally right so i've been telling i've been telling like a lot of my female friends are like Oh my gosh, I can't find a guy. Oh my God, my boyfriend is doing this and this. Oh, we broke up. And like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, wait two years. <laughs> wait two fucking years because y'all are already going. We need time. Like, men need time. Like, we, we got to build the infrastructure to figure out how to do this stuff. Because right now, and I hear that so frequently, men are like, dude, let me just figure it out. Like, I got to figure it Like, give me some time. Give me some time to figure it out. And two is just like an abstract number, arbitrary, but I'm like, Hey, give it two years. Like it, it was, it will take some time for guys to create this. And for me, it's been like four years of men's group uh, connection regularly for me to finally feel like I understand how to hold maybe three years of holding strength and crying openly, vulnerably, holding my head up and crying, like not like hiding and sulking and like protecting myself from my feelings of being seen from others. But now it's just like, this is what I'm fucking feeling, man. And it hurts and my heart's broken and my heart, and I'm feeling so much grief. And, it, and I'm like, I'm like holding my chest up while I'm holding the emotions vulnerably. Mm. It doesn't show it's like the opposite of weakness, opposite of weakness. It's like, but it takes work to be able to feel that like comfort in being able to do that. And that's where men's group practices are really, I think, blowing up. One more piece though, I think there are <laughs> extremes where people are going, men are going, oh, I need to feel my emotions. And now they're fucking feeling all their emotions so much, so fast. And it's like, John Wineland would call it the collapse. There's mm -hmm. this like, I'm feeling an emotion and then collapse. So you're not holding your structure masculine while feeling the feelings, which is a beautiful balance dynamic of, expression of self so i think there is a big problem too that's come as all this is formulating the other issue is men are just jumping full into that practice the practices and maybe they're like drowning a little bit and they're losing their structure so you got to keep your 
got to keep your fucking frame. So, yeah. Yeah. That's why the, the physical aspect of it all is still very important, right? Some sort of movement practice a martial arts, a sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All of that stuff is part of being, is part of being a person. Yes. Everyone should be doing that stuff, but specifically we're talking about men and then grasping some of that other stuff to make you this full whole person who can deal with kind of the, the peaks and valleys of life and what things throw at you and the unpredictability of it and being able to say things when you need to and ask for what you need and all of that kind of stuff that, that's wildly important. That's not really, that's not really taught. Um, yeah. uh, and so having that now, when you get to an age where you've had 25 years of living already, it's hard to kind of break some of those patterns and revisit some of that stuff. And so I think um, moving some of these ideas down to like a younger generation of boys who are 12, 13, 14, 15, right? Because they're still seeing all this information on TikTok. Whether we're telling them it or not, they're seeing the totality of everything, both extremes, some stuff in the middle, they're seeing it all. And so uh, having a mentor, a teacher, a coach, a father, obviously, to kind of embody some of these things, guide them towards um, what might work for them is, is really important. Um, and then of course, having men's groups is awesome because you want to hang out with your friends and other men who are striving to be the best selves. And it's like, you know, that's what sports for me was my whole life. It's like something that you just, it's really hard to, um, it's really hard to get anywhere outside of that kind of environment. And so to have people like you, like purposely doing these things to bring men together is, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it's not an exaggeration to say that it changes the world because you know, it does. <laughs> yeah. It's no, it's no exaggeration. And, and, and like for a while that, that realization was like, was, um, caused hesitation in me. I'm like, Whoa, this is like, actually like, I'm not really worthy to lead this kind of stuff because it is so big and impactful. But it's like, okay, I've kind of navigated that. Um, but yeah, one, I love the idea and the need of the younger generations getting exposure. And like you said, they're just naturally absorbing it. They're just like in the, uh, the passenger seat watching the world go by and they're like, what the hell is going on? But I think they'll also like that 12, 14 year old generation age group will start to see the stabilization of everything. Um, I think the younger twenties, um, are in the thick of it, you know, men, I'm 33. So that this age range, we're in that, like, what do we do phase? Right. And I love, again, hosting and facilitating men's groups and they're becoming so popular because it's like an apparent need, um, for our society to have places for guys to connect. And it's like, yes, helping the younger generation develop that's going to be an easier path for them. But I think the work that I'm doing right now with men who are 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, even 60 year olds are making changes in their life to be better men, to help create this path for the younger generations to have a more easy route. So it's like every piece of these practices are important regardless of age. We just have different roles to play and i'm i'm totally like in the role of let's help people who need to make changes in their life right now and be in spaces kind of like an athletic team you know i love coaching coaching leadership athletic coaching leadership in my mind is the pinnacle of leadership there's also war uh commanders and lieutenants like that's leadership athletics leadership workplace leadership but in sports and athletics it's like you you see a good coach and he's getting everybody's head everyone's on the same line they're mm -hmm. focused on the same goal a, a good organization has a mental health coach a good organization has a breathwork coach so if you're looking i'm up for a hire um <laughs> and um but good organization good organizations the leadership really, you can tell when it's working. And so I also facilitate and talk about like encouragement and compassion. I'm trying to be like 
the Eric Musselman of men's groups, like encourage my team and say, Hey, if you want to be better, you better get in the freaking gym at 6am and start doing some work. Like you say you want to be great, but you're eating nachos and pounding a six pack of beer every night. So you say you want to be great, but your actions aren't showing that. So what, what are you doing? And I bring fire and I know a lot of guys come to my group and they're just like, they don't come back and that's okay. Like they can come back whenever they want. But like, sometimes like if, if you can't handle the heat, man, get out of the kitchen. Like we're, we're not, I'm not fucking around with like, we can't fuck around with this because this is society. This is the future. This is the, the importance of the future of our, our world, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a, it's a very, very serious topic. And, um, um, so yeah, I, I love that we're talking about this because this conversation will impact at least one person out there. Yeah, more than that. I mean, it's a, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I understand, like you mentioned it uh, be, like right before this, like your kind of your hesitation of not being worthy for this type of work. Um, Cause it's a massive responsibility to take it on. Right. Because, yeah. you know, the downstream effect of one person you work with is a lot because they know a lot of people and they're going to have a lot of conversations with a lot of people. You know, it's the same reason why you and I and everyone listening matters so much because you yeah. make such a huge difference, but it goes yeah. the same way if you're doing something um, that could potentially harm people as well. Um, and that's never your intention as a coach, right? But you have to think about that stuff deeply. You're like, okay, if I'm going to work with hundreds of men, I have to have this thing figured out and locked in. It's a huge responsibility that I'm taking And you work through those emotions like you did and you find I am worthy of this. This is my path. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then that work comes out naturally. And then the downstream effect and the compound effect of all that is like unbelievable. Like you've, you've, you've affected families across the world that you probably have no idea about that haven't even been, even been created yet. Um, And so that's amazing. Um, Well, well, yeah, totally. And I, I mean, not to i'm not dissing anything man i know you're gonna have a great great audience so i'm happy to be on this podcast too um but i totally i I totally agree with that and i lost my train of thought so i'll just let that go fair enough um i did not expect to talk about that for so long but i loved i loved that that whole conversation but i want to get to well i have a bunch of more things that i want to get to so i might have to bring you back on but uh i did want to definitely touch on this idea of breath work, because from what I noticed, you kind of made a transition in your life. I don't know if you're still in that transition, but as you mentioned, you started off in physical therapy and now you're more into kind of mindset coaching, breath work, some life coaching stuff. Um, why'd you make that transition? Yeah, absolutely. And I am in that transition and I'm almost, I'm going to maintain my license as a physical therapist. Um, because I really love the art of helping someone who's injured go through that process. Um, I'm currently facing, I face injuries. I'm getting beat up, man. I beat myself up. Um, But so I will, I will always practice physical therapy and always be there for uh, individuals who reach out for help in that area. Um, But I have made a tremendous shift towards mental health, mindset and performance, breathwork coaching. Breathwork has been a passion of mine for six years when I first discovered Wim Hof, like literally six years ago, October, 2016. Um, That's when he was first on the Joe Rogan podcast. And that just like blew my mind. And I started practicing Wim Hof method daily and taking cold showers and cold baths and everything. Just my life opened up. I got more clarity. Uh, I got better energy. I was um, less ADHD. My grades went got better. My communication still skills got better. My anger outbursts uh, started to decrease. So, breath work was a huge um, transformational practice for me. But I did it every day. I was. <sighs> hyperventilating and, and hyperventilating like a motherfucker we'll just say that if you need to edit that out all good but um or i was like wim hof says like breathe motherfucker like go love like it. Get it. breathe ice is life so anyway uh that was huge personal transformation and then as i was 
really finding all these benefits of breath work in my personal life. Uh, um, I was working with patients and, and seeing individuals going through the injury rehab process. And I was seeing patients not getting better as quickly as they could get better. I started seeing um, like frequent chronic pain, um, um, like the demographic of chronic pain just started to increase in my practice. I started seeing more people who were having those difficulties. And I recognized that the physical therapy exercises weren't helping them. And then I realized, oh, let's try some breath work. Let's do some of these mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is John Kabat-Zinn's um, popularized meditation practice that's made its way into majority of hospitals and cancer centers and um, for good reason. It's like mindfulness and meditation is a positive physical health practice, not just mental health practice, but physical. Um, so I started recognizing that stress, like emotional stress, physical, like mental stress was such a big uh, indicator of whether a patient would be getting better faster or it would take longer time. So I started using stress reduction and breath work in my clinic to help patients with injuries, heal their injuries faster. And it started to work. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Can I stop and you then, for one second? Yeah. So you're saying that the emotional state was affecting how quickly they recovered from their physical injury that had nothing to do with their mental state. And men are, are you trying to like differentiate mental and emotional state? I'm just trying to uh, like make it really clear that your the way you think about stress, your emotional, all of that plays a role in how quickly you can recover from a physical injury. And you mentioned it in kind of passing, and I wanted to just like stamp on it a little bit. Let's stamp on it. Um, Dr. John Sarno was one of the first to really explore that, um, the impact of emotions on the physical body. Um, and there's just a well of research that talks about how emotions, anger, sadness, joy, grief, guilt, shame, love, all of those influence the body. It makes sense. I mean, it's no, no freaking surprise. It's not mysticism. Like when you're feeling angry, you get hot. When you feel sad, you kind of like soften and cry. Like we are deeply connected to our emotional body and our emotional states. And when we are stressed the hell out, we are tense. When we hold tension, our muscles don't move as well. Our joints aren't as um, lubricated. Our, our inflammatory markers of our body are increased. So inflammation of injuries stays around longer, which has a, pro like a property, like there's a benefit of having inflammation because it helps heal the injury, but you don't want inflammation for too long. So literal stress from work, stress from relationship, stress energetically, emotionally impacts the healing process. Mm. So yes, absolutely freaking lutely. And so calming, I would do breath work to start or meditation to start the session to create this calmness, relaxation state in the body comfort, safety, and then do the physical therapy exercises. I wasn't ditching PT. I was implementing these ways that PT would be more effective, which was stress reduction. So absolutely that. Is that and, not something they, they teach at physical therapy school or that's just something you just added on? No, unfortunately there's um, a, a pain psychologist. Her name's Dr. Rachel Zoffness. Uh, Z-O-F-F-N-E-S-S. She's a pain psychologist at a Stanford. And um, she is brilliant in speaking about pain advocacy and education around pain because understanding what pain is in itself provides pain relief. A lot of times we're like, what is this thing that's happening? Oh my gosh. And there's stress on top of pain and discomfort, which amplifies the pain and discomfort. And then all of a sudden you're hurting more. So she comes to mind because she's so passionate about this and she's so pissed off at the system where 
medical schools don't talk about pain education or pain science or the influence of stress on pain. So in physical therapy school, it's the same system. We don't talk about stress reduction. We don't talk about chronic pain. Hopefully it's, I've been out of school for um, seven years. So hopefully that's, I, I would assume that that's starting to change a little bit, but I still think that that lacks greatly in the schooling system which is education on stress, education on emotions, education on the human experience. There's a thing called patient-centered care. It should, all care should be patient-centered care, but there has to be a class about, there has to be a, there has to be a class about patient-centered care because it seems like we've gotten so like mechanical when helping people that we forget that we're helping people. So Mm. yeah, exactly what you're asking. Um, we lack that education. So all of my education came in post-grad continuing education. There's some really great professors and teachers and advocates of pain science. Um, but that was a self-discovery. And then I brought that pain science and chronic pain is a one category. And then like orthopedics, sports, athletics is a different and they're very separate. But the the bridging is like stress is prevalent in both, you know? So um, I, I just took what was happening in chronic pain and started to bring it more into like orthopedics and blend the two. And I'm sure other people were doing that, but I was just doing that intuitively. I was like, okay, this, this makes a lot of sense to my mind. And then on top of that, isn't there science that says, if you believe that you're going to get better, that's also helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Placebo effect is yeah. so strong. That's real. That's real. And also you can't meditate yourself to like enlightenment, right? You can't just sit and believe it. Like, um, but that's another, like you go too far into that side and mm. you see people who are like, I believe that I won't get cancer and they get cancer. And they're like, I'll believe that like in breathing fast, I'll get rid of it. And it's like, you actually have to do some other stuff. Like I, I believe I could eat McDonald's all day long and be like, I believe that this McDonald's will not create uh, obesity and I, and it will happen. Like biology is the king of the castle, right? Psychology is like a supportive doubling in, but um, to bring back breath work, breath kind of bridges the gap. Yeah. It creates, it's a stress reduction tool. Uh, it's a place that you can, influence your nervous system instantaneously. Um, it's a practice that takes effort. A lot of breathwork practices don't take a lot of effort. That's why I don't like box breathing. Mm. I, have a, I had a post called energize the box. Box breathing is like a four-part inhale, four-part hold, four-part exhale, four-part hold. And it creates this nice, cal- nice calming experience. But if your body's like panicky and stressed out, guess what? You might have to meet your body where you, where it's at before you can calm down. That's why I say energize the box before you hold, exhale, hold, exhale, then hold for inhale, hold. Right. So, so breath work can be another example of imbalance where you're just like, I'm going to breathe slow and become calm and it won't work. Mm. But if you breathe hard and heavy, and then you bring in this balance of calmness, there's a balance of a true experience of calmness because you kind of hit that peak before you can go into the the valley, you know? So, and um, yeah, there's so many layers of breath work. We could definitely, maybe that's the next conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Breath breath heavy. Because I want to ask you this final question. And... It is, uh, I stole it from Tim Ferriss. So it's a cool question because he's a great podcaster. But basically it's, if you had a billboard and a million people would see this billboard every single day, what would you, Justin, put on that billboard? Breathe, but that's too simple. That's too simple. I think that's like generic. How many people see it every day? Millions. Millions. Or if you're, you know, your pinned tweet had millions of likes and people saw yeah. it, you know? So yeah. yeah, I think, I think it would, um, let me talk through it before I come with the, the, 
the polished product here. All right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all about mind, body, breath is my, is my like thing, like mindset, body, physical practice, breath work links the two. Um, I'm all about the yin and the yang, the positive, the negative. So to have to encompass something like that. And um, what is one of my mantras? I have mantras where I'm like in meditation. It's like, I am here. I am present. I am safe. I would say, it would say, breathe, feel, connect, take another breath, do something hard, do something positive, do something good. Boom. Bam. That's flushed out. That's beautiful. That's it. I love it. Yeah, me too. I wish I wish that was an actual billboard right now. I, I, we can make we can make that happen. Start crowdsourcing. <laughs> yeah, because I was trying to get a billboard up. My I have a nonprofit called You Are Love, and I wanted to just put up a billboard that said You Are Love. Yeah, um, but billboards are are very expensive, Justin. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta find some friends to help us out with that first. But yeah, yeah. But if if I put up every single billboard, because I've asked that question and probably you know, 90% of my episodes, there would be a lot of really awesome, encouraging, beautiful billboards for people to look at, um, which is what we need, right? Words to inspire some action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for providing a, a, a virtual billboard here. Yeah. Um, I think it'll, it'll, it'll impact many. So I'm excited to, to share this and great to meet you, man. Great to connect. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for joining me. I love the conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll touch base soon. But um, I appreciate it. And thanks everyone for watching or listening. I appreciate you. Subscribe on Apple, YouTube, Spotify. But most importantly, most importantly, um, take good care of yourselves. And I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.